0: May God bless you as you watch this week's message.
1: Tell you just a a little bit about who i am um because yeah I hope you'll you know david took a big risk, invite me to come and speak and uh <clears throat> you know so you, you get nervous um he is um so um i'm uh I was raised in north Georgia, I know I don't have any accent I'm so highly educated, but I grew up in the church went to Presbyterian church um and Um, you know, kind of did that thing. If you asked me, uh, you know, as a college student, if I was a Christian, I would have answered that I was a Presbyterian. And um, I did uh, have a period of time when I was uh, in my early teens, I became interested in the scriptures uh, and I started reading the Bible and I would read the Bible through about every six months. Uh, So I knew a lot about what the Bible said. Uh, But it wasn't until my first year in law school uh, and that's the other thing Dave left out, I'm, I'm a lawyer too, and what's not to love about that? <laughs> um, and uh, in 1976, in my first year of law school, I uh, was in the University of Georgia, and I uh, was living in a little dinky quadruplex. Uh, I paid $85 a month for that place, I had homemade furniture. It was really nice. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was going up in that period of time, and then upon my arrival at school, God had been really starting to to woo me, and to come after me, and um, all right, I, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to cry. I will get you to laugh. You're going to cry. This is the way it's going to work. Well, I'm going to cry. You bet I cry. But I'll cry. Okay. So, and during that run up to that period of time, the Lord really had been wooing my heart. And when I arrived on campus, I had a few books to read. I had and I had my Bible, and uh, as I sat not too many people that go to law school can say this, but the first year of law school was absolutely the best year of my life. And I sat in that in that apartment night after night after night after night after night, after night, after night overwhelmed by the love of God. And I realized that John 316 is not just God so loved the world, but that He God loved me. Isn't that amazing? And the kindness of God and the love of God just swept over me night after night after night. The kindness of God you know, really brought me to repentance. And uh, I also learned in that process uh, really something that uh, Emily alluded to, those of you that got here for the early part of the meeting, uh, is that everything that is significant in my life has been initiated by God. That's how I came to know the Lord, you guys, was it was the Lord was seeking me out. And then here's how it works. This is what I can say all the way going back to 1976, is that God, what I'm about to tell you is important. I'll tell you when the important stuff's coming. What this is the goal of my life is to respond to what God is initiating. That's what it's all about. That's what happened to them on the, on the beach down there in in. Mexico. All right. Is it the, and that's what Jesus said. Remember, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And when you enter, I believe a hundred percent in the principles of the scriptures, and I want to live by those principles and the truth that's in them. Those things, those are the guide, guidelines for my life. But that's just part of it. The other aspect of it is God wants us to live in this relationship with him. Where we have a sensitivity to what God is doing, Mason, and then we have an opportunity to respond in obedience to that. And that's what, I'll tell you what, I can tell you, honest to goodness, that uh, I have lived a very, very adventure filled life because of that. And I've, Kathy, I'm married to somebody that shares that. And so we've been on this journey and adventure to, together. It's not always been easy. We've not always lived, like in my books, everybody always lives happily ever after. Uh, But, you know, we have had that opportunity for adventure. And so I really commend that to you. Now, um, all that's important. Some of this other, I'm gonna say, is not too important. Um, Let's see if we could put up the first slide, please. Now, this is important to me, but it's not important to you. Uh, Is David Sanford here? Yeah. Do you see that, David? Yeah. So this is the largest trout that I've ever caught. And I caught this trout last year on the Watauga river, uh, just outside Boone, North Carolina. That is a 26 inch, um, tiger trout. And that trout, I caught it on a five weight with a stone fly. And, um, I my heart was pounding out of my chest when I hooked that trout. And when I saw it come up, uh, you know, I didn't have a net big enough to net it. I had to get my buddy to come over there and help pull that thing in. But that was the that's the largest trout I've ever I've ever caught. And I wanted to share that with you guys. <laughs> <coughs> All right. Um, okay, we could we'll put that up later for those that want to see it. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about a truth that has had absolute tremendous practical impact on my life because if you only get a chance every so often to speak to somebody you want to make it count right because I'm not just here to fill space um and so in 1980 all right I came to the Lord he came to me in 1976 and in 1980 I heard a message on blood covenant on the covenants that God makes and it changed my life and um so I thought, okay, if I get a chance, one chance here, I'm gonna share about this because it's that important. And um, it's a truth that makes a difference. Um, and you know, the truth that really makes a difference in our lives are the things that we are passionate about. If we're kind of blase about it, it probably's not gonna have much impact. But if we're passionate about a truth, it's gonna bring change. Now, a lot of people in the West, uh, and by the West, I mean Europe and America, uh, we have a very limited cultural understanding of covenant. Um, you know, like Ryan and Peter and some of these guys from Africa, um, you know, in Asia, you know, Walton. I mean, there's, there's a greater cultural understanding in South America for the whole concept of covenant and what it means that's kind of lacking in the West. And um, so hopefully what I want to do today, I'm going to toss out a lot of different things And I'm going to kind of trust you guys to connect the dots on some of this because I frankly don't have time to do that, all right? So I'm going to give you some benefit for some intelligence. Um, Now, God has planted the seed of uh, covenant as a truth across the whole earth. It's more than a contract. A covenant defines a relationship. Um, It is an unbreakable total commitment, an endless partnership, is stronger than an individual life; it endures to the grave and beyond. And uh, the closest thing we have in, in our society to that is marriage, and we'll talk about that just a little bit. Now, in Hebrew, the word for covenant is berit. Is that how you say that, Tyler? Okay, it's close enough. And I got a Jewish friend here, um, and it's derived from the word "cut." Bear means cut, and to make a, a blood covenant means to cut a covenant now um the first example of the blood covenant in the bible is in genesis chapter 15 and i'm going to just read this story we're going to read this story together and talk about it a little bit and so it says that um, after this the word of the lord came to abraham or abram rather at that time in a vision do not be afraid abram i am your shield and your very great reward But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and he said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So far, so good. Now, Abraham's doing good, and this whole thing about being credited, you know, that's talked about in the New Testament. I mean, when you get a mention in the Old Testament and New Testament, it's usually a good day. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. So he's received a promise about his inheritance, right? His people to take possession of it. Of it. But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of this, of it? So, of course, now he's questioning God, so what does God do? Well, I mean, he slaps him down and says, you're just a, you just have no faith. What's wrong with you, Abram? Okay, so let's find out what happens next. So, the Lord doesn't do that. He said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a rab, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon, and Abram brought all these to him, and Abram knew what this was about. He didn't have to be told that something like this was about what God was about to do. And so Abram brought them, and he cut them in two, and he arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in two, in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. And as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and thick and dreadful darkness came over him. That's the power and the presence of the Lord. If you ever have an encounter with the Lord, something like this is going to happen. Keep going. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. This is a manifestation of the presence of the Lord and how it was interpreted visually by the one that wrote this. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, to your descendants, I give this land. Okay, this is spectacular, all right? Now, this is spectacular. This is, a, this is the example, the first example in the scriptures of a blood covenant. Now, not only did the, the reality of this covenant, the promise that God was making to Abram, um, he confirms that in other places in the scriptures. I think we've got another one, 2 Chronicles. Look at this. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abram, your friend? If you want to know what's going to happen to that piece of land in the Middle East, frankly, I have to tell you, you don't need to look at Fox News or CNN. You really don't. I'll save you the trouble, okay? You can read in the Bible and find out that God has made He's already decided that particular issue. And I just want to say this is confirmed through the scriptures. There's one more I had. Put that next one up if you don't mind. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abram, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed to Jacob as a decree to Israel as an everlasting covenant. I mean, how much more emphatic can you be to you? I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When God makes a covenant, he's serious about it. All right, And he is serious about being faithful to the covenants that he makes. Now, um, one thing in that second Chronicles Scripture, if you put that back up real quick, he talks about Abram as his friend. Do you see that? And that's not just saying that Abram is his buddy. When you see that word friend in the Scriptures, that's a covenant term. That's a covenant term. You know that in Proverbs it says that there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You remember that? And then when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. That's a term, that's a covenant term that's talking about the connection that is established between two people that are joined in a covenant. And it's way beyond anything. It's akin to marriage, even in, in context of, of, of other relationships as well. So what I want to do today at this point is um, I need a, a volunteer from the studio audience. All right, come on up. David, Yuri, come on down. Okay, so I appreciate all you coming here today to be the public witnesses to this covenant between David, Yuri and myself. And um, we want to do this in public because to be valid, a covenant has to be witnessed. That's why when you have most people, I mean, it's okay to get married down at the courthouse, but even they have witnesses, and there had to be witnesses to that marriage certificate. Remember, but that's why you have these public declarations of a covenant. So, um, I've gotten to know David. We've gotten to be uh, buddies. Okay, after Fav- we've had dinner with him and Polly, and we've been to their house, they've been to our house. We've gotten to know them, and. Um, I've decided David and I've talked about it, and we've decided that we're going to enter into a covenant together, and we're going to let you guys witness this. I have to tell you, this is all pretend, because David's going to get really nervous here in a minute when he finds out a few things he's committing to. Um, now, one thing I'd like us to do. First thing we're going to do is um, uh, we're going to exchange our coats, and I've got this jacket here. And this was actually, this was made in Israel Probably Walmart: Yeah. i think yeah (laughs) well and and by exchanging our coats what we're doing we're committing to each other and saying that all i have all my resources uh are yours um you know all of my my money i've got my wallet here got your wallet buddy yeah this credit card right here uh this is Kathy's. It's got triple the credit limit that mine does, just so you would. All right. So we're exchanging. have a triple A card. <laughs> All right. We're exchanging that. And, um, you know, we hadn't talked about this beforehand, but I need to know how much is in that retirement account. And um, let me, I'll tell you about my EGI for last year. I'll just whisper it in your ear. Polly, you've got it made. I mean, you're really sad i could I could tell. Um, <clears throat> you know, so um you know, my 401k everything you know you've got you got access to that now. Uh, this checkbook, um, for those of you that were born after 1998, this is <clears throat> this this piece of paper you can you can write numbers and names on this, and it's just like your debit card. Except it goes to the bank. It's it's complicated, all right. But Dow uh, he shares that the names on this, by the way, it says on here the names on this checkbook. It says Robert A Whitlow and Catherine M Whitlow. Do you know Do you know why it says that? Because yeah, that's right. It's a joint account. This is a, we got an accountant up here, um, a banker or something. But that's because. When uh, just remember what happened to Abram after he made a covenant with God, what happened to him? He became Abraham. Before he was Abram, he was, that means exalted father. Abraham means father of multitudes. Every time God makes a covenant, it's, it produces fruitfulness. Okay. That's one of the dots you're going to have to connect That All right. And so when Kathy McClure and I were married, she changed Her name, she took we she took my name. And you know what that means? She has access to every single penny that I put in this. She has the legal right to it. And I have the legal responsibility to care for us, for her, in this relationship. And you know who we are? We are the bride of Christ. I'm serious, this is a big deal. No, you're not done. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> All right. There is one thing I need to tell you. Um, you know that, our, you saw a pool in the backyard? Yeah. Yeah, we got an old swim pool with a vinyl liner. And that liner, they're telling me now that it may need to be replaced. And the last time we replaced it, the guy I called, he said it was $3,000 is how much we paid the last time. This time he said it's going to be eleven. dollars Thousand dollars, and and so you know I may need your help on that, and I know that's not a problem. Okay, that's, okay, that's great. All right, I've got I've got this now. Um, let's see what else. Oh, let's exchange our belts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said, all right, "And this belt right here is special because it's got all the fish on it." It's All right, this is special because it fits. All right. So we're exchanging our belts, and when we exchange our belts, that means that um, my strength is now at your disposal. David Dave and I are about the same age. You can't really tell. I know by looking at us, we'd be younger. But, um, you know, David's pretty stout. He's a—he's not one of these guys that's just coasting into old age. I mean, he's hes meeting it, okay? And uh, so <laughs> he's, yeah, he's had all his redos, you know. <laughs> He's, uh, he's got the new knees and all that kind of stuff. So, but all of his strength is now available for me and all of my strength. Are y'all connecting the dots on this? Okay. All right. So we're exchanging our belts. If you ever need me, seriously, day or night. Actually, this is actually true. All right. If you ever need me, day or night, you know, you call. I would do anything to be there for you. You know that. Okay. All right. So that's kind of sweet. Y'all could kind of like that. Um. Then we also need to exchange our weapons. So i got a weapon here. (laughs) I was going to bring my big (laughs) one. This doesn't really say anything about our spiritual authority. Uh, But um, this basically means... That we're going to fight for each other you know if he has a if he has a need he can call on me and i'll be there for him in battle like an in intercession or anything like that i would be there for david uh if anyone attacks uh david they're going to attack me he's got a free lawyer okay i mean if somebody sues him hey we'll counter sue him i mean we're gonna we'll let them know we're coming after him okay so uh you know, everything, everything, if somebody picks on me, I can call David. He'll come out and he'll him up. Um, then what we would do is uh, we would, uh, we would then bring these animals out and we would split them. And, and just like in there. And that's, that's where the blood comes from this thing, just about how serious this covenant is. And so we would lay these animals out and um, then uh, we would walk. And we would basically be saying, be it to me, just like what happened to these animals if I break this covenant. That's what I want. That's how serious it is. And then we would would take a knife and let's use this right arm. And, you know, there's different thoughts about it. But my personal belief, and this is just me talking because I'm the one that's talking right now. Um, is you would make a cut on your wrist and the blood would flow from that and then we would raise our hands. You see how, you see how this is all through our culture. When you, when you go into a courtroom, put your hand on the Bible and raise your hand, that's, that's calling covenant into the reality of that moment. When you stand as a, at a wedding altar and all those vows take place, this is all related to this whole reality and, and we would make our promises to each other about our commitment and wh- how we're going to be there, kind of for each other, just like happened in Deuteronomy chapter 28 with the children of Israel. And then we would, and our blood would mingle, okay? This is so good, y'all. All right, our blood would mingle. And then when we, then we would actually put something in that wound to make it scar. So that with oh, this is so good. So whenever we looked at it, we were reminded of the promises that were associated with the covenant, okay? And from then on, from, from now on, uh, we'd even, you know, we'd get, I, know, I was having trouble with Uri and Whitlow, exactly how to combine those names, but we would figure it out, okay? And so there would be a, uh, an identification that we would carry with us, just like Kathy and I do in sharing the name. So uh, thank, thank, thank David for coming up here. I just had to cut my message in half, just like one of those animals. So I'm not going to be able to tell you a whole bunch of stuff, but I am going to tell you one thing. I'm going to illustrate this through something else that happened in the Scriptures. And if I run over a little bit, I've been watching to see how David does that, and when that thing starts turning red, it doesn't seem to make any difference. Um. I'm just letting y'all in on this. Um, and, you know, you talk about this name thing and how there's that exchange of names, there's a, that identification that takes place. Did you know that not only did, and, you know, Sarah's name got changed too, remember? Sarah, Sarai to Sarah. They both basically mean the same thing. They mean princess. But there was a, there was a change in, in the way she was identified. And not only did he change Abram's name, God changed his name. Did you know that? What was God's name after that? He was the God of Abraham. And when I was praying, preparing for this, I've been thinking about this for a couple months that I was going to do this when they asked me to do it. And you know what i the Lord told me, Lois? You know what he said? He said that one of his names is the God of Lois. All right? So the next time, that melancholy thing tries to jump on your back, I want you just to tell that, do you know who you're messing with here? I know that I am, the one I, I'm in covenant with is known as the God of Lois. And not only is that true for her, that is true for every single person that is sitting in this room that knows the Lord Jesus Christ is in relationship with him. That's the truth. And I want to, we're going to do something right now. We're going to keep going. This is not the end of the meeting, so don't get excited about that. Um, we are all going to say that he is, you're going to say he is the God of and then I want to put your name, you to put your name in it. Are you ready to do that? He is the God of let's do that again. He is the God of that's a beautiful sound to the Lord. We're gonna do it one more time, Lord. Really, really put this deep into us, Lord. He is the God of that's just beautiful. Okay, so now um, there was a uh, another example of covenant in the scriptures. Um, is found in 1 Samuel, and this there's no scriptures that go up on the screen for this, but in this in what Joe did, isn't that beautiful that that image i told him i just said hey do whatever you want to do and you know one thing that's important you all for those of us that are a little bit older is we need to give younger people freedom to do whatever they want to do in god i'm serious we, we need to absolutely be i mean what could be more exciting i mean when you have kids you're super excited when they act like adults and and even if they mess up you know that's better than not trying we really need to let our kids go. Anyway, that's a side note. That, that was not that important. Um, <clears throat> so in 1 Samuel chapter 18, there's another story about a covenant. And this is a, a covenant between uh, Jonathan and David. And, <clears throat> you know, remember the story, David kills Goliath. He becomes, you know, well-known. And gets to hang out with the king and his family, King Saul and his family. And King Saul's oldest son was Jonathan. Saul had three sons. I bet you can't name the other two. And uh, the, uh, But Jonathan was the oldest. And David and uh, Jonathan, their hearts were really knit together. And so they, uh, while David was still in favor with Saul, this is important for you all to think about this, he and Jonathan entered into a covenant together. They did... They really acted out what David and I were doing up here. And it says, this is what happened when it describes this in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Um, It says, and Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David. Does that sound familiar? Along with his tunic and even his sword, belt, and bow. And this occurred after David killed Goliath and still enjoyed Saul's favor. That last part's not in the Bible. That's in my notes. So then things changed. As you recall, and Saul became jealous of David. And, you know, Jonathan, as Saul's oldest, was next in line to become the king, right? He's like, you know, Prince Charles, who's never going to be king, doesn't look like it. But, you know, he's been, he was the same kind of position. He was in that, in that position in the, in the uh, birth order. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 20, Saul turned against David, and he wanted to kill him. Now, the way that David knew that was he went to dinner at Saul's house one day, And Saul got mad at him and he picked up a spear and he threw it at him and tried to pin him against the wall, it says. You know that somebody wants to kill you when they pick up a spear and throw it at you at dinner, okay? And uh, if you were invited to Saul's house for dinner and you walk in and there's some holes in the sheetrock behind where you're going to sit, probably sit somewhere else would be my advice, okay? So, So David is is under this uh, intense uh, persecution from Saul. And what effect did that that have upon the covenant between David and Jonathan? It had no effect. They had entered into this blood covenant. And it says that they reaffirmed the covenant in 1 Samuel chapter 20. And when Saul finds out about that, he's furious. You know why he's furious? Because he knows what this really means. And he says this to Jonathan. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. And uh, Jonathan defended David in that moment with his father. And you know what Saul did? He picked up a spear and threw it at Jonathan. Most of y'all didn't know that happened. He threw it at his own son because he recognized the power of that covenant that he had made with David. And I think the motivation behind Jonathan in some of this was he recognized the legitimacy of the call of God upon David to become the king. And that gets into a whole other covenant that we're not going to talk about. But you see, he was, he was spiritually attuned enough to recognize that reality and accept it. Isn't that incredible? I guarantee you, Jonathan's in heaven. He's going to be, he's going to be close to the throne. So then Saul pursues uh, David. You know, he chases him all over the place. and then, um, But one day he has to break off chasing David because the Philistines have come up. And so they have a big fight. And Jonathan and the other two uh, sons of Saul that you don't know, they are all killed in battle on Mount Gilboa. If you come to Israel with us, we'll show you where Mount Gilboa is. And Saul also dies on Mount Gilboa. He commits suicide. Because he doesn't want the Philistines to kill him. So um, this, so then the word comes to David that Jonathan's dead. It is. I'm not going to read any of this, but you know, it's that passage where it has that famous first line: "Tell it not in Gath, You know about what had happened. And the thing about it, y'all, there's such David was such an amazing guy to be so messed up, but yet be so amazing. Who does that remind you of? That's right. You're supposed to say yourself. Okay. <laughs> That reminds, me, well, it does remind, me, well, maybe some of you. Okay. So, um, not you, Walter. The, uh, <laughs> so, um, not only does David lament Jonathan's death, but he also laments Saul's death. And, and you know, what's the, one of the lessons about that is, is the appreciation that David had for the reality of the anointing of God transcended his personal opinion about a person. Now, there's no excuse for the character flaws that existed in Saul. They cost him the throne. Do you understand? But the power of the anointing and the respect for the anointing is a big deal in God's view. Okay, you could just put that somewhere and see if it ever works. So um, at the time of their death, uh, Jonathan also had children. And uh, he had a five-year-old little boy named Mephibosheth. Okay, how many of y'all are just can't wait to have a grandchild and have it named Mephibosheth? So Mephibosheth's five years old, and word comes that Saul's dead, Jonathan's dead, everybody's dead. You know, it's bad times in the palace. So Mephibosheth's nurse grabs him up, is running out, and falls, and it breaks his legs. Okay? And, you know, this is before orthopedic surgery was good. And so he's, he can't walk. He's lame in his legs, and he's carried out. And he goes, and he lives to, in a place called Lodabar, Lodabar. If you go to Israel with us and you go to the playground, you'll hear the Israeli moms going low, 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 low. They're not telling their kids to get low. They're telling them no, no, no. Low means low. Uh, Low means no. And Lodabar means no word, no pasture. Okay, It's the outer realm. All right. It's where you don't want to be. And Mephibosheth is raised in Lodabar. 15 years pass. David is now... This is going to be hard for me to say this part. David is now the king in Jerusalem. And one day he's sitting there, y'all. I don't know, I'm making this up because I'm an author and a novelist. That means you can, you can make it all up. But, but something like this happened. And he looks down. I believe, I believe he looked out at his arm and he saw the mark of the covenant. And the king saw the mark of the covenant and he remembered the promise that he had made. The, the father of somebody who wasn't even born. Do you all see this? Are anybody connecting the dots? And he said, "Is there, he calls people in. He says, is there not some descendant? And Jonathan had reminded him of this when Jonathan was still alive. Will you remember my family? And he said, is there not a descendant of Jonathan to whom I can show kindness? And that, that word loving kindness, that's the word has said. That's the fullness of the grace that was wrapped up in love. Okay? Is there not a descendant? And the, the guy who had been caretaker for Saul's estate, they brought him in, and he said, Yes, there is one. And his name's Mephibosheth, and he's living in Lodabar. And David said, Bring him to me. Now, I don't know what Mephibosheth was thinking. But one day he's there in Lodabar with nothing to eat, not much to read. All right. And there's a knock on the door and they said, who is it? It's it's David's men. I don't know what he was thinking, but I think he perhaps he was concerned. All right. Because if David wasn't king, he was in line to be the next king of Israel. And, you know, in those days that wasn't looked on kindly. All right. They removed those that were that could be your opposition. But. What can he do? He's taken and he's brought before David. He falls down at his feet. You know, he says, I'm a dog, you know. And David said, no, you're not. Do you see where we are in this picture, in this story? We are in this place of no provision, no word. We are just, we do not realize the goodness of the covenant that the king has and his desire to pull us into the depth of the fullness of the relationship that he cut with us before we were even born. We're going to get there in a second. So Mephibosheth is brought, and David said, no, you're not going to die. He said, you are going to sit at my table, and I'm going to provide for you because of that for the rest of your life. He was, I know, he was experiencing thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, this is just an incredible picture of the reality of who God is and who we are. And Kathy told me to share that. Um, Now, let me see if there's anything, yeah. Yeah, David said this to him. He said, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore your land and you will always eat at my table. Woo! Damn, that was a good day. in loaded the bar. I'm serious. All right, now, so let's look at Jesus and what, what he did in the covenant that he made. And um, the... Um, it was like the covenant that God made with Abram. In the sense, in that covenant with Abraham, remember with Abram, it said Abram didn't walk between the pieces. He prepared the place, but yet it was God who did the work. Are y'all getting this? When Jesus, when he hung between heaven and earth, you guys, God cut a covenant with mankind. He said he did. It says, bring up one of those scriptures about, let me tell you which one, that'd be a little helpful for you. Uh, Luke, Luke, the one in Luke uh, 22. This is at the Passover. You know, because Jesus was taking and elevating that to a whole new level of meaning. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And then see the one in Matthew 26. It said, then he took the cup, gave thanks, offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, those, the disciples, you guys, they didn't fully understand what Jesus was saying, but they understood a lot more than we do. When he starts talking about this covenant thing, and he's already told them that their friends, his friends, you know, they're, they're picking up on something big is up with this. And, of course, after his resurrection, they understood the full, the full manifestation of it. Um, so, goodness, I'm still way under what David does, so hold on. Um, yeah, I know, I know, y'all are being nice. Is anybody bored yet? Okay. (laughs) If you said yes, it would come back to you, dear. Um, Yeah. Wow, you know what we do with Jesus? You know, what do we give him? We give him our filthy rags, right? You see all this stuff? What do we get from him? We get a robe of righteousness. Are you kidding me? We give him our fleshly weapons of self-effort. And what does he give us? He gives us the full armor of God. How can we not be encouraged? See, you talk about, you know, there's a, all this talk about identity, I think this is the answer. And not only, th- not only did Jesus make the covenant with us, he then comes and lives in us to be the reality. Christ in us the hope of glory so that, oh, come on. This is, this is mind-blowing. We, I mean, we really can't really fathom this. But that's the reality of, of our existence in God. He's the mediator, it says, of a new covenant in uh, Hebrews. And as he is, so are we in this world. Um, let's see, I don't want to say anything else here. Oh, yeah, just a couple of things. One thing about um, the new covenant, and I've I've, uh, I've been to Israel many times. I've lost track how many times I've been which is kind of sad. I should have kept track, shouldn't I? It's kind of lame. I've probably been maybe 12, 13 times. I don't know. Um, but, and they don't really know exactly where Jesus was crucified. There's a couple of places. Um, but um, one thing about it, I want to kind of dispel a, a, one common misconception. Jesus wasn't crucified on a hill by, far away. That's in a hymn, but it's not in the Bible. Um, the Bible says in John that where he was crucified, many saw him because they passed by, and the place was near the city. That's what it says in the scriptures. And the way the Romans crucified people, they crucified them on the roads, by the roads. It was a deterrent. You know, you see somebody crucified, you're going to think, "What did they do?" Well, I don't want to do that. All right. And I personally believe that Jesus was crucified on beside the road, outside the Damascus Gate, on the ancient road between Jerusalem and Damascus. And as he hung there, and, you know, he was cut, right? And then he was pierced, right? And he'd already been brutally beaten past recognition, right? And when he was, rec- when he was resurrected, what was different? Everything that was, he was marred beyond human recognition. All of those wounds were gone except for, he said, put your hands in my side, touch my hands. He said, this covenant is going to endure. I'm telling you, and when, listen to me, when God makes a covenant with you, do you think he has the ability to keep it? He's faithful even when we're not. I mean, it's not an excuse to do anything wrong because we're being transformed into his likeness because we are in covenant with him. That's not an excuse, but it doesn't negate the reality of what he's done. No matter if we run to the desert, he's there. That's why he says that. If I'm on the far side of the sea, you are there with me. That's the reality of our relationship with God, and Jesus bears those marks in eternity as a reminder of the covenant that God's made with us now, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to leave the rest of the stuff out um <clears throat> I really want this to be a uh something that really helps you okay i I'm, I'm just I'm not not getting paid to do this. I don't know, at least they haven't given me a check yet. There may be an honorarium with this. I don't know, I'll find out. (laughs) A couple hundred bucks would be great. Um, So, um, but um, what I want to do is, uh, is I want us to kind of say, okay, Lord, we want you to fill in the gaps, if there are any, in our dynamic of this interaction with you. There's no gaps on God's part, I can reassure you, okay? But we want to be, you know, the, the thing about truth, you guys, is if we're, don't we want to be in a place with the Lord where we can cooperate with Him uh, intentionally rather than by accident? I mean, we're going to, you know, a blind squirrel's going to find a nut every once in a while, all right? But let's, let's get to a place where we are more full of faith, uh whatever it is that the lord wants to impart to us in this reality so here's what i was thinking we might do i was thinking we might at some point raise our hand you don't have to do it yet nobody has um as a just you know hey lord here here i am okay and then um if there was I don't want to manipulate you guys, I'm not interested in any of that stuff. Zero interest. What's I've frankly, I feel like at this point in my life I have nothing to prove. I've just got to go through my life. All right. I'm not trying to get you to respond to me. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. Uh I want us to raise our hand and I would like us just as an act, of physical act. I love prophetic acts and physical things that that are a reflection of what's going on on the inside. That's why they call you to walk down the aisle of the church to get saved. That's a covenant trip. Do y'all understand that? It's like walking between the stuff to get there. That's what it's all about. And and I would like, if anybody wants to kind of, I want you to give you a chance to do that. And just to walk down front. And you know, I hate to do that if you don't if you don't come, if you don't come it's great. But if you want to, it's great. How's that say? And just say, Lord, this is what you're doing here is Lord, I really want to fully engage in an intentional way with the, the scope of who you are and what you've done in your covenant.
0: You know, one of the things that as Robert was sharing that really impacted my heart is that oftentimes when we think of the covenant that we have made with God, the biggest thing that hinders us from advancing in the covenant that he has made with us and our covenant with him is our failure to look at who he is. We look at all of our limps, all of our own failures all of our own shortcomings. We look down, and we just keep telling ourselves we're just going to be in lower the bar for the rest of our lives. She goes, "We're not worthy. We're never going to be worthy." You know what? I want you to know that the covenant is not made because of worth. It's not made because you are of value, because you are important, because you are esteemed. You know what? It's made. Because God loves us so much. Loves us so much. And there's a scripture, two scriptures actually that, that came to mind. One is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16 and says, This is the covenant that I will make with them. That's all of us. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then verse 17 says, then he adds their sins and lawless acts i will remember no more the memory that you have of your sins and your lawless acts can sometimes hinder you from the blessing of the covenant this morning you can abandon you can let those go you can let those go and you know why there's a beautiful promise in 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 um, in Exodus chapter 20 when God gave the law uh, uh, to Moses. He says in verse 4, it says, You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Punishing, listen to this, punishing the children for their sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. That's, that's a, you might look at that and you say, that's that's pretty heavy. That's like, what kind of a God is that? But listen to this. But showing love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I want you to know that God's love for you and your family will extend to thousands of generations you know he's only going to remember the sins of our forefathers up to three or four generations that's just so much love that God has for us and for you in other words it's another way to say man it's like your stuff is too small I have greater stuff bigger stuff for you
1: that's right. I just want to speak this word of the Lord now may the God of peace that's shallow. That's everything. That's all encompassing. Yeah, That's right, Hunter. It's everything. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, be glory forever, forever and, ever. and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen, yeah, yeah, bless the hey, Lord. thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.